Thanks, Frank. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Fellowship Bible Church. My name is David, and it's great to be with you. I am so glad that you said yes to being here today. We all benefit when we say yes, and we love it. We love it when we hear yes, especially when it's tied to things that we want. <laughs> Dad, can we go to Sheridan's? Oh, man, aren't you just waiting for that? Yes! Hey, Dad, can I have the keys to your truck? Hey, Dad, do you still love me even though I wrecked your truck? <laughs> All of those things might have been said by me in my younger years, except we didn't have Sheridans, we had Brahms. You guys know what Brahms is? Let's all say yes to Brahms. <laughs> oh, what is wrong with me? We love it when people say yes, when it fits our purpose. Uh, we do as church leaders. We believe that we're called to advance the kingdom of God and we want to call you into great and godly purposes and we want everyone to lead a small group. Are you ready to lead a small group? Oh, it's not as uh, resounding as the ice cream comment. We want God's best for you. We want God's best for us together. But it demands that we say yes to Him and His purposes for our lives. That's what we're going to be talking about. We're in a series called Grounded. We're talking about being grounded in the purpose of God. It has an individual application. But it has ramifications that affect all of us. And those around us. I'd like for you to turn with me to the book of First Corinthians. This is our book that we're teaching through. You can join me in First Corinthians chapter one, and then we will be in chapter twelve. So First Corinthians chapter one is where we're going to start. We're going to explore this morning the, the difference that you can make within God's kingdom, this church, and through your own life. Because the impact that God has entrusted to us is greater than anything that you may even realize. And what would happen if, as a church, we said yes to God? I believe there would be three special effects that would result of, in our saying yes to God's purpose. We're going to look at these effects but they are all linked to the fact that there is a great difference that every one of us can make. That is a far-reaching impact for the name of God and for the sake of the gospel. If we'd say yes to him. The first effect is the kingdom effect. There is a kingdom effect, a difference you make when you say yes to the things of God. This is not my kingdom. It's not your kingdom. There is a greater story happening that we find ourselves in the midst of. It is the story of God. His kingdom. It began in creation and it will end forever or continue forever when Christ returns. And you and I are a part of it. 
This is not just another day on the calendar. This is not just another Sunday that will come and go. This is a day that has a purpose within God's unfolding kingdom. You'll see these words in 1 Corinthians 1, verses 4 through 9. Let me read them. It says, Paul writes to them, he says, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. That in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. This kingdom that is unfolding is the kingdom of God, and at the heart of His kingdom is His Son, Jesus Christ, who is on the return. He is coming again. And this unfolding purpose is coming to the point when Jesus will appear and he will make himself known to all. At that moment, we're told that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Joe likes to say it. There will be those of us that say, oh, yes, Jesus is Lord. And others will say, oh, no, Jesus is Lord. Did you wake up this morning thinking about the kingdom of God? If you asked me yesterday, I was thinking about my lawn (laughs) and what needed to be done. I want this to be a reminder, a wake-up call, that there is a larger story unfolding and you have a part in it. Paul writes in this passage that that there's been something special entrusted to each of us. It's called a spiritual gift. When you said yes to putting your faith in Jesus, you received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is an abiding presence that, that stays with us forever. It's not conditional upon your behavior. If you do good choices, you keep the Spirit. If you do bad choices, well then, whoop, He's gone. God, by His grace, has chosen to remain with us, not dependent upon our goodness. And with His presence comes special abilities that when we step into those, when we use those, we exercise those, God is... Made great. He receives glory. And the gospel goes forth when we exercise the gifts that he has given us. He will stay with you. He will sustain you. And you will always, through faith in Christ, bear the label guiltless. There is no shame for anyone in Christ. That's why Jesus answered the greatest yes of all. Our hearts were broken. When God began his story in the garden, we turned our hearts away from him. That is the human condition, to turn away from the holiness of God and to turn toward ourselves. 
But that rebellion, that sin created a distance that we cannot bridge ourselves by good effort. It took Jesus, by the will of the Father, to say yes to Him, to come and to bridge the gap between us and a holy and righteous God. We have a way back to God. It is only through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He said yes. So my question to you is, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God who died on the cross and rose from the dead for your sin? Because of that, yes, you will never bear a label of guilt or shame. Isn't that good? Guys, that's what makes it good news. That's why we have this word gospel. It's great news. Because of the yes of Christ... We have a way out of our sin. And by a yes to Him of faith and belief, we have been given the abiding Holy Spirit who will remain with us, calling us into this unfolding, incredible kingdom. That's what you and I get to be a part of. It results in glory and gospel. Turn with me over to chapter 12 now. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul gets into some explanations about the kinds of gifts that we have. Verse 4 says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. When words are repeated within verses, they are important. We have one term, varieties, and another term, same. Well, what is different? We are different. Our giftings, our abilities are different. I am so thankful that we are not all gifted the same as me. Otherwise, this would be one loud and weird place. God has a unique purpose and design for each and every person in the room who bears His name. It's a variety. It's a hodgepodge, a kaleidoscope. But there is one God. He is unfolding His plan. We all serve the same loving Heavenly Father. And we are called according to His purpose. It says it is God who empowers them all. These gifts that we have are linked to acts of service and activities. So a gift is not something to have in your hand and put in your pocket. It's something that is to be exercised. There's a variety of them, but it is God who empowers them. And when we use them, it is evidence to us and evidence to others that God is real and that He is worth our lives. He is worth our worship. That's why Paul gave his life for this work, this mission of building and advancing the kingdom of God. Paul endured great hardship. It's not always easy to say yes to the Lord. Otherwise, we do it all the time. There are seasons where we have to endure hardship. We face trials. Paul said he faced trials of many kinds. Shipwrecks. You've been shipwrecked lately? 
hard to be shipwrecked in Kansas. A little landlocked here. But we still face hardship and trial. Paul was writing to a church that was trying to find its way through a culture that had turned its heart very far from God. In each of these messages, we found, as we've looked at this group of Corinthians, that we have actually found ourselves. Very little has changed. We live in a pluralistic society that has all kinds of ideas, and they are against the heart of God. How do we make our way? How do we live out an authentic faith in a culture that is turning its heart away from the Lord? It's the challenge the Corinthians faced. And they, their real challenge is they looked very much like their culture. There wasn't a great distinction between the church and the culture. This is the tension we live in. If you don't feel that tension and the growing tension, then your head is in the sand. How do we live our faith out? It is by simply saying yes to the things God calls us to, no matter what culture may dictate. This is what Paul gave his life to. And because of his faithfulness and the faithfulness of others, we have the gospel. The church did not stop at the end of the first century. The church will not stop at the end of the 21st century because this church, this body, is the bride of Christ. And Jesus has established His church and the gates of hell shall not what? Prevail against it. The purposes of God will not be thwarted. It will not stop. And in every day and in every age, The people of God are asked to say yes to His purposes because there's a kingdom effect. He has always called His church, His his chosen people to be His representatives. So your yes makes a difference for the kingdom and your yes makes a difference for the church. There is a church effect. And it is unity and belonging. When you exercise your gift that God has given you, it builds unity. And it gives you a great sense of belonging. It's one of my privileges to serve with a group of men that are our elder team. We strive hard together to maintain the values that we believe are important for elders, not only in this time, but any elder, future elder. We make decisions based off what makes sense now, but can also give people guidance and direction 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now as Fellowship Bible Church continues to advance God's kingdom. We found a guiding passage for us in the book of Psalms, and I want to share it with you. It's a, it's a great short psalm, three verses, Psalm 133. The values that we have as a team spring from this passage. Psalm 133 verse 1 says, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down the beard. (laughs) On the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. 
It's like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. We want to protect unity as brothers. We strive to make decisions in unanimity. Not bringing it to a majority vote. It's hard sometimes to be on the same page, but we strive for it. And what we have found is when decisions have been made in unity, it protects the church from being led by a personality. Far too many churches lose their way when a point leader leaves or falls. But we strive so that if there would be any change of any leader, the mission remains the same. Because of a united spirit. And every time we say yes as individual members of this church, it fosters and builds the unity of this family. The whole idea of oil running down the beard is a moment of anointing when someone was set apart for a special purpose within God's kingdom. The, the image draws back to two physical brothers, Moses and Aaron, who were called to lead the people of God. And they were set apart. And it was good when they walked in unity. And it was bad when they went their own ways. Those of you with beards, try it. Pour oil over yourself. It would be a fantastic experience. Fosters unity and then also a sense of belonging. Look at chapter 12 again, starting in verse 18. Paul uses an illustration about the human body. He says, But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as He chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. I mentioned that the Corinthian church struggled between faith and culture. It was a common practice in pagan rituals to have special utterances to gods or goddesses. It was a way to to demonstrate super spirituality. Now it is true that God has given a variety of spiritual gifts, administration, leadership, service, mercy, gifts of, of prophecy, healing, and tongues. But what the Corinthians had done is they were using them for their to their own benefit and to make distinctions. To have divisions between themselves and other people in the church. The very thing that God had given them to unite them was dividing them. It's no different than Moses and Aaron. Both were anointed for leadership. Yet there were times when they did not walk in agreement. And it affected the whole family of God. Paul's point in talking about these varieties of gifts is that when we use them, it should build up the unity of the church because we are the same body. 
What you do affects me. Is this really true? Think about a nuclear family. Are the relationships affected when someone checks out? Maybe dad is absent. When we're part of a large family, sometimes it's hard to to believe that my individual yes to the Lord really has an impact on my brothers and sisters around me. It is completely possible for you to come in this room and not be known. But we are never for anonymity as we are seeking unanimity on the purposes of God to advance His kingdom. I want you to have a sense of belonging. In our last service, there was a gentleman sitting on the front row and he had a Living Water International t-shirt on. If you have participated on a Living Water trip, would you raise your hand? There are people that are gifted for acts of service. They are people that are skilled with their hands, that they can go to a region of the world that has no clean water, and then in a few short days, drill a well, strike fresh water, change a complete trajectory for a people group, link them with a local church that has hygiene resources and the truth of Jesus. And it has a far-reaching impact But these teams that go, they go, they sign up as individuals, they make the individual sacrifice, but then they find themselves caught up in a shared mission that is intense and hard. Most of these teams have had trouble striking water and they've been left with the reality of what if this doesn't work? And yet each team has struck water just in the nick of time. To show that the the results of our labor is all up to the hand of God. But when they come back, they're different people. Because they have shared in a mission together. There's a deeper sense of belonging. Do you feel like you belong here? Or do you walk in this place feeling disconnected and unknown? If you suffer, we suffer. When someone honors God, we rejoice. I want to share a name with you of a man that we believe is is due great honor. We have leadership teams, an elder team, pastoral team, staff team, volunteer teams, and a deacon team. Our deacons are a service-oriented group of leaders. They look over the physical grounds and the physical needs of people in our church. Well, we're growing because you, show, you showed up. And so we've added a man to this team. But our practice is, is that when we have examined someone, we've met with someone, that we present their name to you so that if you know that individual and you do not feel that they should serve, that you have one week to contact them yourself and settle the difference, to resolve the relationship. His name is Kent Pope. Kent has been serving faithfully in our church, and as we have 
looked uh, at his life. We've questioned him. We believe that he is a, someone who has already been leading in this area of service. And we rejoice in calling him into serving our church family. We believe he's a good and faithful man who has loved his wife well, has raised two sons who are walking with the Lord and both having discipleship influence on others. That's worth celebrating. It results in great joy when we see God's people saying yes to the things of God. When you say yes, you impact His kingdom and you impact His church. And your life, your personal life is forever changed. Because there's a personal effect. Not only are you part of the kingdom and you're part of the church, but there's, there's a personal result and it's joy and influence. We had a lot of joy in this room at the father-daughter dance. Great event. Girls looked beautiful in their dresses. They felt special in the eyes of their fathers. There were daughters of all ages. But it took a yes of a group of individuals to do the event, to have the idea and to see it through, to, put, to pull the teams together to keep the chocolate fountain flowing, which I deeply appreciate and brought me great joy. But it wasn't about that. It wasn't about the music. It wasn't about the food. It was about an experience between a father and a daughter that would build and foster that special bond. And it was made possible because there were individuals who said yes. Now imagine being on that team, seeing, seeing the result of that. How many of you might have participated in a service event called Soul to Soul? Maybe you bought a pair of shoes. Maybe you showed up. Any hands? Did you make a contribution to that? That was not a church-led initiative. It was the initiative of one of our sisters in our church. She had an idea to meet a specific need. And because of her, yes, because of her engaging her spiritual gifts, it caught many of you up in an opportunity to bless others. She sat right there last service. I didn't want to mention her by name because that wouldn't be what she would want. But there was this sense of like, That is possible for every one of us. There is so much joy released when you say yes to the things of God and employ what He's given you. Are you joyful? Or are you walking in a sense of purposelessness? You know, many of you aren't going to spend your hours inside the walls of this church. But you're going to be finding yourself where you're employed. There's no distinction about who you are, where you go. You have the opportunity to employ your spiritual gifts right where you've been planted. Even in your occupation. If you need a kickstart in having a fresh vision for your work. Let me recommend a book to you. 
It's called Visions for Vocation by Stephen Garber with a P-H, Stephen. Stephen Garber, Visions of Vocation. He reawakens in the workplace how your spiritual giftedness can be unleashed. Great, challenging read. Published by InterVarsity Press. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26. I want to repeat this. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. If there is a place where people are supposed to belong, it is the church. That's why when a church like the Corinthian church is so divided, it mars the name of Jesus. The culture wants nothing to do with Christ when the people of his church family can't get along. Some of you have been away from God for a long time because of damage done by the failure of the church. It doesn't have to be. But it demands as individual members of the body of Christ that we say yes to the things of God that He has for us. So what do we do? What do we do? How do you start? If you have lost a sense of belonging, how do you re-engage? Well, you discover your gifts. You discover them. It takes some discovery. It takes some figuring out. I think there are some gifts that you receive at the moment of faith. And then I think there are gifts and abilities that God gives for a specific season because of a role that's demanded of you for a time. But you need to discover them, and we help you do this. We do this eight or nine times a year in, a, in an event called Connecting Point, where we start with helping you understand your God-given design. You need to discover your gifts. And then this next one is rocket science. Start serving somewhere. Like I said, a spiritual gift, while it is a gift given, it is meant to be used. What good is a set of keys if I don't turn that baby to drive my dad's truck? So they're meant to be used. Start serving somewhere. We have a try it culture here at our church. We want you to step into areas of service and try it. That's truly the best way to understand your spiritual gift. There are inventory tests that you can find online that give indicators, but I know that I'm gifted with the gift of encouragement because when I speak encouragement in the lives of people, God uses that for His glory and for the advancement of the gospel. And then I get feedback from others around me that, yes, that's how we see God using you. David, you're a man of encouragement. You're a man of empathy. That is how God has wired me. And it falls to me to walk in that. I have to use my gifts. And so do you. You discover them. You start serving somewhere. And then for those of you, there's a challenge for those of you who have been serving very faithfully for a long time. And here's your challenge. Take someone with you. 
When was the last time you invited someone to go with you to where you faithfully served? You ever brought anyone along? You remember when all of you said yes to leading a small group? For those of you that have led faithfully, when was the last time you invited someone else to do this with you? To step onto the front lines of people's lives where they're trying to live out faith in an authentic way in a culture that is, that is constantly twisting its values. They're trying to stay straight according to the principles of God. And they need community to do that. And as small group leaders right on the front lines, when was the last time you brought someone with you? When was the last time you served in love Topeka and said, hey, will you come with me? The more people that say yes to the things of God, the greater the unity, the greater the sense of belonging, the greater the glory for God, the greater the gospel advancement, the greater our personal joy and influence is created as a result. This is something we can all do because God has empowered all of us. He is the one that allows you to carry out the things that he's called you to do. So can we do it? Yes. I want my children to lead the church someday. But my yes today helps their yes then to have more of a chance, right? Let's say yes to the Lord. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you for being the one who first said yes for our condition. You stepped down, you died, you took the wrath of God for us, and then you rose victorious over sin and death forever. Lord, thank you that you have given us your spirit who stays with us, who gives us gifts that if we use them, you advance your kingdom. You build the unity of the church and it results in tremendous joy. Take our lives, Lord. Let them be for your glory alone. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.